0: Why does someone leave the religion they were born into? What causes people to convert to a new belief system? What goes on inside a high-demand religion? Listen to the experiences of ordinary people as they answer those questions and more. Welcome to Chrysalis Podcast. Today we're going to be interviewing CJ. CJ, would you like to tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'd be happy to explain a little bit about my background. I'm 24 years old and I grew up Roman Catholic. I'm the oldest of 11 children, actually. And Faith's definitely played a very big role, right? (laughs) Definitely uh, could make her own soccer team, that's for sure. And for my family, the Roman Catholic Church has always been a very central pillar in our family life. My parents didn't grow up Catholic. They both converted when I was very young. When I was around two or three years old. And since then, it became an even stronger institution in their life. Yeah, I know. And I definitely think their conversion had a huge impact on family dynamics and my own relationship with the church and how that affected my life and later deconversion.
0: Right. Can you tell me a little bit about how they came to the church? That's that unusual to convert to Catholicism?
1: I think definitely since maybe the 70s or 80s, it's become more common now, especially in the United States. My mom was nominally Catholic, but her family never went to church ever. So I would definitely say there was a conversion that took place because she went from just being nominally Catholic to going to church on a daily basis. And my father didn't grow up Catholic at all. What I know from them talking to the to me about their story is that when I was two or three, my mom found out she was going to have my one of my brothers that they both kind of had this realization that their lives were kind of aimless and they wanted to find a direction for their life. And obviously because my mom's extended family were Catholic, they thought to look into the Catholic church a little bit and I know that my dad had a big come-to-Jesus moment, if we can put it that way, when he went on a retreat at a Catholic church that was near their home, and there, it got a little bit crazy. I'll definitely get into that a little bit later.
0: Okay. Were you born into it, or was it when you were young?
1: I would say mixture of both, because it converted to Catholicism when I was two. I don't remember life before that, so I would say it was as if I was born Catholic. I don't remember what life was like before that.
0: of course. You said you're the oldest of 11 children, so all of your siblings would have been brought up in the church, as you were Absolutely. also.
1: Yes, no, we've all been brought up in the church, and I would definitely say there's been... How would I put this? Definitely a path towards becoming much more orthodox and conservative in the type of Catholicism my parents have followed as time has gone by. I remember when I was younger, I don't know how much to explain. In Catholicism, there's two general branches. There's a much more Pentecostal style, charismatic form of Catholicism, which has become much more popular in the past 30 or 40 years. My parents were definitely into that a lot when I was younger, but as my parents delved deeper into Catholicism and its teachings, they became much more conservative. And my siblings definitely wouldn't know anything of that more Pentecostal style Catholicism that I grew up knowing when I was younger. That was a change that probably happened when I was about 13 or 14 years old when they started going further to the right.
0: That is very interesting. So you're saying there are two distinct branches of Catholicism. One is more emotive, I guess, if you're comparing it to Pentecostalism. That's what comes to mind is emotion and feeling and...
1: Absolutely. Absolutely
0: religious fervor and conservative Absolutely. to be with more of what I picture as Catholicism, more of the the Latin, the Dogmatic. state. Dogmatic. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and are your siblings still in the church? For the most part,
1: yes. I do have one younger brother who's 21. He's not what I would call nominally Catholic anymore. doesn't go to church. But I would say that while I've made a conscious choice not to be Catholic anymore, and quite just something that's developed over time. But the rest of my siblings are very Catholic.
0: <laughs> okay. In fact,
1: every time I see my family, my younger siblings are asking me when I'm going to go back to church.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. So I can tell there's a little bit of religious conflict in your family and we'll get to that. But if you Absolutely. could just tell me As a non-Catholic, how long are the services? Could you give me a description of what it's like to attend a Catholic church on Sunday? How long the services are, what you have during the week, thats how much time it takes, that sort of thing? Okay,
1: of course. Oh, I could go on for this for hours, but I'll make a few key distinctions. I would say there's a few things that are important to understand that I think the most definitely type of church where you'll get out as much as you put in. And what I mean by that is if you're very involved in your local community, you're going to get a lot more out of services and the events going on. At the church than you would if you're somebody who only goes for Christmas and Easter. There's actually right. a common saying to so the church where I grew up, where there's the Christmas and Easter Catholics who so just go for the big masses, a service is called, and that's it.
0: They have the same saying in Judaism, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's the same thing. Oh, <laughs> you do know they? People just show up twice. Oh, a that's year. fascinating. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So. Same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it's very similar, absolutely. So Mass, I would also say, is divided between a Mass that you would have just throughout the week, which is normally very stripped down, doesn't tend to have music. It focuses more on readings from the Old Testament and the New Testament, Normally a brief sermon, which we would call a homily. And then afterwards we have the ritual, which is called well, the Eucharist, where they take bread and wine and the priest consecrates it. And if you're a Catholic, you believe that becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. The difference is maybe between a mass during the week and a mass Sunday is that Sundays is going to have music and it's going to be longer. On the weekend, Mm -hmm. that would normally last about an hour. Uh, On a weekday, it would last eh, around half an hour. But if it was a big holiday, Christmas or Easter especially, it could be two hours or even three and a half. I think my longest mass that I ever went to was four hours, and that would be the Easter vigil, which is a much longer service where I think we have, it's been years since I've gone, but eight or nine readings from different parts of the Bible. They normally have baptisms and confirmations. And I actually was one of the assistants for the priests when they did that. And I remember being a very, 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 very long service or mass, as we call it.
0: Right. So you're saying Easter, the holidays could go up to four hours?
1: It could, depending on the church. Absolutely. Three,
0: four. And the regular weekend would be about an hour. Is that right?
1: About an hour. Yeah, about an hour, give or take. That's
0: actually not too bad. For It's not too bad, no. It's not. I mean, I think
1: it also depends. Another distinction I didn't really touch upon is in the Catholic church, like I mentioned previously, there's kind of that juncture between people who are more more charismatic, as we would call them, a Pentecostal style church. They'll tend to have music.
0: Is there a name for that? The different branches? It's
1: normally called charismatic Catholics. And Mm -hmm. then the more traditional minded tend to be called traditional Catholics. Traditional Catholics, though, you need to be a bit careful because there's also two distinctions made there who actually uh, follow the Pope and. His leadership and there are some people who believe that the more modern trappings that the church has undertaken in the past 50 years is into true Catholicism and they're considered heretics. Set of is what they would be called in Latin. That's a whole other can of worms. Another podcast. Wow. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah I guess so. I guess so. That's really interesting because up until now I thought Pope and Catholic I couldn't imagine. Okay. Uh, one would think from the outside. <laughs> but it's always the way once you're inside there are other groups to distinguish yourself within it's absolutely I would almost say
1: that Catholicism is almost as diverse as Christianity. It's like all the diversity you can find within Christianity itself, you can find within Catholicism almost the people going in every single different direction.
0: Right. It's amazing how people can divide themselves up endlessly. (laughs) It
1: is. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Your services don't seem to take up a whole lot of time, but do you have stuff during the week?
1: Absolutely. I the individual service might not take up a lot of time, but especially in conservative Catholicism, traditional Catholicism, there's the idea that you should go to Mass every single day. So it's an hour on the weekends Whoa. and a half an hour every single day. And my family definitely got into that when I was. 12 or 13 and there was definitely the imperative that we need to go as much as possible and then obviously Catholicism with some other ritual aspects like confession which is where you would go to a priest who confess all the horrible things that you've done, all the sins so that right. he could absolve you of your sins and while I would say in a more charismatic type of Catholicism they still do for that, in traditional Catholicism there's the idea that you need to be doing that monthly and I haven't really mentioned it yet but as a gay man that definitely caused some issues for me as a younger individual having to go to an old man and, and and admit, yeah, I like boys. And that's not right. really accepted in Catholicism.
0: <laughs> I definitely want to get into that. I just wanted to get an idea of how much of your life this takes. And I understand there's also the aspect of your family following it, which has you at home. It's not just you're going Absolutely. somewhere and it's only touching you there. I do, I do understand that. So you're growing up and let's say you're seven to 10 years old. How many times are you going a week?
1: Probably four or five. Um, and then there's oh, also take the consideration wow. that they had yeah a lot and then yeah. there's also to take into consideration that they had youth group and stuff like that at seven or eight I didn't go to that as much because it was a weekly thing and I think that's sort of more when I was 10 years old. but by the time right. I was 14 or 15 I was helping to run that so I had I was at mass four or four times a week going to confession at least on a monthly basis and running youth group which and there in the evenings, probably two or three times a week too. My life was wow. Catholicism.
0: It sounds like you were a youth leader, and I don't know what they was, call them. I was absolutely. Yeah, uh, no
1: youth group leaders what they would have called me. Everybody actually thought that I was going to end up being a priest. <laughs> Surprise!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone's listening to this, oh, guess they've what? Common
1: sense learns exactly. Yeah story turned so, out better.
0: Okay. I guess I do want to ask about your community. Um, was it a tight-knit community? Was it a big church in an urban area where not so much?
1: A mixture of both. And what I mean is that as my parents progressively became more conservative and orthodox in the view of Catholicism, the people that they intermingled with slowly changed. And I found that the more fundamentalist in style that Catholics become, the more harsh they are and unforgiving they can be. So what I mean by that is while the church that we went Went to growing up. It was a pretty big church. There was probably over 2,000 families that went there. So very big, but for a Catholic church anyways, very big. It had its own circles. So you would have the circles of people who are more charismatic and they would go to a particular service. And they right. wouldn't intermingle with the people who went to a, a service earlier in the day, and that was more traditional in style. And it was just so interesting growing up realizing how these people didn't want to intermingle. And there was so much infighting. The people who are more conservative would say, I can't believe you're going to play guitar at service. That's just... Inappropriate, and the people who would like to have more modern style music would be like, "Oh, you're just so boring. You're going to make all the youth go away." So, like, right. there was never that comfortableness, and I felt very much caught in between those two battles. Because, as I mentioned, when I was younger, my parents were more charismatic in their former right. consults, and their form of so I definitely had that aspect growing up. But as they became more conservative, I felt like I couldn't please everybody, which was difficult for me being a youth leader because I had to make everybody happy. But I was either too progressive for the conservatives or too conservative for the progressives.
0: <laughs> right, you're trying to straddle the line because of your family, but exactly it wasn't quite working. It's interesting it work. that there were services in the same church with the two different styles. So that's Absolutely. super interesting to me. You would think that the leadership would have chosen like one or the other, but they did both.
1: They did both. I think they were just trying to cover all their bases and they realized that the best way uh, to get people to go to that church and to get money in the basket was to have services that appealed to both. The only other thing I'll briefly add is that as my parents did become more conservative, that conservative service of that parish wasn't even conservative enough. When I was about 12 or 13 years old, my parents started homeschooling me and many of my siblings. And since then, they've continued that. And because of that, they got in touch with a Catholic preparatory program. I'm not going to name the name of the school. It's run by a set of edicottomist group, which that's a group that doesn't believe that the Pope is legitimate. My parents never followed that law, but that got me in touch with many other children and people who grew up in families who had 10, 11, 12, or 13 children, many of whom believed that the world was out to destroy all Catholics. Catholics, very cult-like in its mentality. And the only reason I bring this up also is the central force for those kinds of groups tends to be the traditional Latin mass, which is what service was like for Catholics before the 1960s. When mass was in Latin, women had to veil, and it's much more conservative and oppressive in nature, I would argue it is. And since I was about 14 years old, we went to that once a month too, just so my parents could get their conservative fix, as I'll put it.
0: Wow, so your mother would wear a veil over her face?
1: Uh, yes, she would. She would wear a veil. and She still does actually now at the normal church to been a okay. stick, sticking point then because I would say even in the past five to seven years, at least in the Catholic church churches up here in the Northeast, I'm outside of Boston. There's definitely been a resurgence in that where many larger families have been kind of going in that direction. There's definitely been a growing popularity of that it's not just my mother. There's many of her friends are also doing that now as well.
0: Interesting. So a resurgence in the church traditional branch of tholicism. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Absolutely. So you said that they started homeschooling you when you were 12 or 13?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And what was your experience of that? Did you feel like you got a good education? Did you feel like it was a good curriculum?
1: Well, it's difficult for me because I kind of have two opinions. Because of my experiences there, I was able to have experiences later on in life that were great for me. But it came out of not so good circumstances. For example, the quality of education that I got wasn't great. Everything that I was taught had to be centered around Catholicism. I couldn't even be taught math unless it was literally on the lines of two angels plus two angels equals four angels. Oh my like goodness. The level, <laughs> like the level that they had to bring Catholicism. How do they manage
0: that? How did they manage that with algebra?
1: <laughs> it was terrible. I solve,
0: I solve for ex-angels.
1: Oh yeah, no, it was terrible. I don't want to say the entire education was terrible. I was lucky enough that at least my parents were very interested in me having what they would call a classical education. So I was able to read Aristotle and stuff like that, which many people might not have the opportunity to. That's right. great, but I never learned, I never got a proper scientific education. I mm. never got to learn about evolution, basically all those big hot button topics that a lot of evangelicals would have. I was not that. I never had sex ed. I was never taught evolution. Anything relating to really macrobiology wasn't touched no science
0: at all. Wow. See, this is very interesting to me because when I think of Catholicism, I think it's probably, I mean, at least for me, it's perceived as the most science science friendly religion that they, I mean, I've always had the impression they sort of, obviously in modern times, we're not talking Galileo. hundred years like, ago. <laughs> right, yep. right. But that they almost go out of their way to make things work scientifically. I
1: think they definitely have that trapping that they look like that. I also want to make a brief distinction here.
0: Right. That
1: there's something unique Catholicism in the United States too. I mentioned this, but one of the good things that came out of a difficult circumstance is I actually went to school overseas. I studied my bachelor's over in Spain, which is a very culturally Catholic country. But it's interesting to see how American Catholicism is different from Spanish Catholicism. Spanish Catholics were much more laid back. While American right. Catholicism seems to have taken on flavors of evangelicals and then also fundamentalists too.
0: I wonder if that has anything to do with being in a country that's more Protestant than Catholic. Being in a minority position versus being in a country as the majority. You know, that's
1: probably true. I would imagine so.
0: And all of your siblings are homeschooled as well?
1: Not all of them. Most of them are. I do have a sister who has Down syndrome, and she does go to the local public school just so that she can get services. But my parents would avoid public school at all costs. Otherwise, they consider it to be for heathens, basically, and a bad influence on my siblings.
0: I understand. Okay. So you grew up within the church. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Is there confirmation within the Catholic Church?
1: So in the Catholic Church, the sacraments that they have are baptism, reconciliation, which would be your first confession, a first communion, confirmation, matrimony, holy orders if you become a priest, and then last rites to dying. Okay. All right. I'm surprised to remember so, that all these years later, but I do.
0: <laughs> all the major life cycle events basically. basically. Um, you know. Okay. So so you went through reconciliation. First Communion, Confirmation, Obviously, you must have because you were a youth group leader. At what point did did you start to have issues with her?
1: Oh, that could be a podcast in and of itself. (laughs) Um, It's hard for me to pinpoint an exact moment only because I don't know when that change happens. I'm sure you've heard that many times that it wasn't just one moment, but often it is. It was. For me, I was very, very Catholic. I can't divorce my deconversion Catholicism from my relationship with my sexuality because they do go hand in hand to some extent. The Catholic Church is not friendly to LGBTQ community. I know there's been statements that have come up because of Pope Francis. I'm not going to really touch those too much, but at least my lived experience wasn't very negative, especially as my parents entered a more conservative groups. It became worse. I went to a Catholic summer camp that's run by a religious order where they have weeks where men go, boys go, and weeks when girls go. And I remember that when I went, they had a mass in like I mentioned before, the traditional style that they had before the 1960s. And during the sermon that the priest gave, he talked about what it meant to be a godly man, a manly man, a Catholic man. And- out of his mouth came the words and no faggot is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. They're going to burn for all eternity they deserve.
0: Okay. At that
1: point, I knew that I was, what I would have Called same sex attracted. I didn't accept my sexuality, but I understood where my interests lied, if you know what I mean. And that cut deep. That cut deep. And I think that kind of slowly set me in a path where I realized, you know, I make sure that this Catholic church is the true church of Jesus Christ because I'll put up with all this bullshit if it means that I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not going to suffer if it means that I'm not suffering something that's worth it. Does that
0: make sense? Right, right. No, because now the stakes are higher. How old were you when that happened?
1: I was probably 16 years old. I still stayed Catholic for quite a few years, but it definitely set me on that path or many other events that happened to just the clickiness of any religious community were also difficult feeling like I couldn't please everybody and then having people let me down I think that would happen though in any community it's not necessarily unique to Catholicism
0: but no not after- at all
1: <laughs> no absolutely but it still plays a role in
0: of course of course yeah no I don't mean to minimize worldview. it there are some things no, that absolutely. are inherent to groups of people but that doesn't mean that they don't have an impact of course
1: absolutely Absolutely. So, being a youth group leader, and I'll try and wrap this up quick. But being a youth group leader had an impact there. I'll mention two more events. I came out to my youth group leader when I was about 17 years old. And again, I wasn't accepting my sexuality in a more liberal sense. It was more, I'm same-sex attracted. I plan on being celibate my entire life, but this is really difficult for me. And I feel like our church isn't offering the services that need to be offered to someone like me. I felt really alone. And my youth group leader for a Catholic was pretty liberal and accepting of that. She was like, you know what? You're totally right. We should totally be having more services that are offered to people like you so that you have the support to live A chaste, celibate life. So, no option of having a partner or anything, but at least having a community to go to, which for me at the time is what I wanted. Now I realize it is being completely homophobic and completely unethical to my own happiness. But right. that's a discussion right. for another day, maybe. But regardless, well, so I talked with her about that and she actually agreed that we would have a discussion about it in front of everybody. Sorry, what were you gonna say?
0: No, I I don't think it's a separate discussion because I think that it's I think it's unfair to expect someone to live their entire life without a partner. I don't know what the stance of the Catholic Church is. Are you saying based on your Conversation that they differentiate between being gay and acting on the urges, being with a partner. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. if you went to confession, it's not a sin being gay; it's a sin to act upon it. Is that correct? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. But there's a
1: um, since I lived in Spain, they were coming to me in Spanish, which is "matiz," which means like there's a little wrinkle there. And what I mean is, so yes, you're right. It's the acting on being gay that's the problem. But think about it. I would still have to confess if I thought a man was attractive and I thought too much about that. I would have to confess if I longed for having a partner and I wouldn't let it go. I would have to confess if I wouldn't let go of that desire. So at what point though, is there really a difference between acting on being gay and being gay? Like,
0: it's That's crazy though. How can you be something and not think about it? that's insane to say, don't act upon it. That's, that's theoretically possible. I would argue it's unfair and not tenable, but it's at least you could kind of see how that's possible, but how could you ask a heterosexual man not to think about women occasionally? It's just not, your thoughts are who you are.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. It was very (laughs) damaging. (laughs) It was very damaging.
0: It's like, it's okay to uh, be gay, but it's not okay to be gay. I mean, that was
1: pretty much the whiplash message that I was getting. And I do need to really stress though, that I mean, if you were to talk to a more charismatic Catholic, they probably would have some different perspectives on that. They would be so harsh Uh, on that. How would I put it? Ruminating. But traditional Catholicism really, really focuses big on being mentally pure, doing everything you can to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're not defiled. So I do need to make that distinction. However, in the end, it's still going to be the same as far as traditional Catholics and charismatic Catholics both agreeing in that. So fine, you might be homosexual, but you can't act on those inclinations. But if you you never have have those thoughts,
0: how do you know you're homosexual? If you never have a thought about another man, well, then you're, you know, maybe you're not gay.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And that's why Catholicism-
0: Controlling your thoughts, that's just-
1: It's damaging. You, you, is. The level of scrupulosity in Catholicism is awful. I mean, you don't have time to go into it today, but there are so many saints revered by the Catholic Church where one of their revered characteristics is that they were so scrupulous. They did everything they could to make sure that everything perfectly. And whether someone believes in the Catholic Church or not, I'll even say this today, and I don't care. But if you really think God cares so much that you're going to see your thoughts towards seven, he's going to get you because you slip up in one thought, that's just not healthy. It's not a God mm-hmm. worth worshiping. I mean, honestly, Satan sounds you- better than that God does to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds sounds terrible, I suppose, but it's, this is the creator of the universe, billions and billions of galaxies, billions of planets, and they're fixated on, you know, you looking at somebody's whatever. Exactly. That doesn't, that doesn't make
1: yeah, the, sense. Yeah, The fixating on me finding somebody attractive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he has nice arms, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. God's all over that. Oh, oh exactly. And I actually don't know you would be able to answer this for me more because you grew up in a more Protestant background, but in the Catholic Church, it's really the obsession between mortal and venial sins, which the idea like some sins are worse than others. Well, a venial sin might be I tell my mother, I didn't take a cookie out of the cookie jar. That's a venial sin. So what that means is like you could commit that sin. When you die, you would go to purgatory, which is like this idea that Catholics have of a place that you would go to work off of the punishment of sin. But here's the thing. So an mortal sin, you can't work it off when you're dead. If you commit that, you're going to hell anyways. You look at pornography, that's a mortal sin. You think I'm sure about a woman or another man, that could be a mortal sin. If you were to murder someone, that's a mortal sin.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So thinking about... Somebody th- thinking a sexual thought about another person is a mortal sin the same as killing them? Is that
1: could be, yeah, it could be absolutely. Catholic Church has that's never hard. really, truly come up an outright definition of this is a mortal sin and this isn't. But that's the issue that we have, like these false uh, they It's
0: hard to comprehend.
1: It's impossible to comprehend. That again, goes yeah. back to the scrupulosity. we will find in many Catholics who practice where they're trying to do everything they can to make sure they're not committing mortal sins. And if they do, they need to go to confession because if they die before going to confession, they're going to hell.
0: I have some follow-up questions about this culture of sexual purity in the church. Catholic Church is not alone with this sort of thing by far. Let me just ask you some basic questions. Is there a modesty code within traditional Catholicism? It sounds like from what you're saying about your camp, that the genders are also separated. How far does that go? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So we'll focus on traditional Catholicism, at least for now with this topic, because absolutely. In traditional Catholicism, there's this obsession of the 1950s, 1960s, golden era, American culture, which I don't understand. What I mean by that is if you were to go to a more traditional Catholic area, you'll find that all the girls are wearing floral pattern dresses from the 50s and 60s. The sleeves go all the way down to their wrists. Girls are definitely wearing dresses that at least go past their ankles. Oftentimes you'll find that it's not supported that girls wear pants. That was actually a big scandal when I was growing up that a new family came into the church and they allowed their girls to wear pants, which is crazy because I mean it when I say, when I lived in Spain, which is a very Catholic country, this was never an issue. So I definitely do think that their influence of fundamentalism and the evangelical churches in the Catholic church here, at least in my experience, because it got to such a degree that just surprised me.
0: Wow. these
1: standards, traditional gender roles are very big too, very much so.
0: Wow. So girls would cover up to their wrists wrists. and their ankles. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. My goodness. That's a bit more conservative than... A lot of Orthodox Judaism.
1: And Absolutely. That's, <laughs> I do need to say that is definitely wow. very group specific. That's what's of difficult course. when you have groups.
0: What I said is very group specific too, because I'm speaking the more liberal Orthodox. Oh, yeah. Right. So always wearing skirts down to your ankle, always covering your yeah, arms, even in summertime. In the
1: summer? Yes. Even in the summer. There was definitely a big fight against wearing modern interpretations of clothing. I kind of joke now, ugly is best. And what I mean by that is it was clothing that girls always wore. I guess it's reflective of a man, but it was for flattering. It right. always made girls and women look dumpy. It, it, it never in my opinion would be something that somebody would wear that says, I value myself worth. And I'm not saying that as in a terms of if you are skimpy clothing, that means you value yourself more. But I just mean is is it fitting well and it complimenting somebody's looks? Absolutely not. And right. Women were definitely relegated to a supporting role in the vaccine. They weren't meant to stick out.
0: Did they sit in a separate place when you were at worship service, or was it everybody sitting in a family group?
1: Everybody was sitting in family groups for the most part. The only thing I'll mention on that is in Catholicism, we have something called ultra-serving, which is where during the the mass, the service, Obviously, we go through the ritual of the priest turning the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And because of that, there are normally boys and girls that are up on the altar helping get all the different things that he needs to do that, bringing the bread and wine, the utensils and whatever he needs. In traditional Catholicism, they don't accept that girls can have that role because the priesthood is only for men. The charismatic branch of Catholicism accepts that because after the Second Vatican Council, which changed the form of the liturgy they have in Catholicism, they opened it up to girls. But there's still an ongoing fight between those two groups. The charismatics wanting girls to be allowed on the altar, the traditional saying no that shouldn't be allowed because the priesthood's only for males and I even saw that taking place in the church I was going to where there was a fight about whether to allow the girls to continue on the altar crazy in the 21st century (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know how old you are, but I mean, I'm guessing I'm a bit older than you and I don't understand this way you're describing the girl's stress and all of, it just sounds so... Backwards? That sounds pejorative, I guess, but just I it's definitely just stuck in archaic. a mindset
1: of another time.
0: It's surprising. I'll put it that way. It's surprising.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You could go to a church that's in your town and maybe find that they're a lot more
0: progressive. I understand. You're speaking traditional Catholicism as you experienced it when you were growing up. I exactly. do understand there are variances. So going back to your faith journey, I guess, for lack of a better term, you were in camp, you hear this priest saying something hurtful, which obviously it was-
1: It was. It was damaging. Absolutely.
0: Understandable. And you start thinking, well, the price of Catholicism is going to be, I mean, from what I'm hearing you say, is going to be high. I better be sure this is what I want to do. I better be sure that this is the right way. Um, Exactly. Can you tell me how it went from there? For
1: you? Of course. From there, I still was very much Catholic. That was very hurtful for me. It, it definitely left a very deep wound. But what it did for me was it pushed me in the direction of, I want to be the best Catholic there can be. I want to prove him wrong, which meant that I dove into reading the Bible from cover to cover. I dove into trying to understand the dogma of the Catholic Church, all of its teachings, so that I could defend the Catholic Church and its teachings to a T, which I laugh now because I did that trying to defend my faith, but it ultimately destroyed it. Understanding the inner workings and pulling back the curtain was when I realized, playing that more, but it was when I realized like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. This isn't what my parents <laughs> taught me it was. You saw well, how the sausage is made. behind Exactly. And it didn't work. And uh-huh. in the end, though, if you were to ask me what was the one thing that really forced me out of the Catholic Church it was reading the Bible, which is funny because in the Catholic Church, I've realized after leaving, while they read the Bible every time their service, we at least read one passage from the Old Testament, one passage from the New, and then one passage from the Gospels. People don't pay attention to what's being said. So when I'm asking people questions I'm like, did you? hear what we're in Deuteronomy? Did you see what happened with Job's daughters? Did you see what Paul said in the New Testament? This is awful. oh, it didn't really have to say that. It doesn't really say that. So there's a lot of picking and choosing too. People either don't pay attention to what's said in the Bible or they just pick the pretty parts and ignore the not so savory bits, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. What you're saying about the Bible is Catholicism, traditional Catholicism, do they take the Bible (laughs) as literally true or are there interpretations of the bible that are then used to draw the dogma from
1: it's literally true when it's convenient until it's not <laughs> so okay. for example my parents still teach all of my siblings that adam and eve actually existed it was a snake in a garden caused the Wait, whole they, world to fall they
0: do or they don't you kind of cut they do oh okay they do so no evolution um, and there's adam and eve and everybody descended from adam and eve the exactly. whole genealogy in the bible
1: Okay. Oh, okay. yes, absolutely. So I would say they're definitely much more literalist in their interpretation until it's impossible for them to defend it. Like, if I were to say that the Bible shows that the world is flat, possible that Earth goes around the sun, they would say, well, that doesn't. But until there's something glaring and obvious, at least in my experience, they'll definitely defer to the Bible. That's
0: interesting. But so, it's basically the, a little bit the of both, is It's would still you a book say? they don't
1: understand. Yeah, a little bit of both. The paradox is it's still a book that I would say they don't understand, <laughs> but definitely a bit of both. I mean, obviously, those are parts of the Bible that are not directly found in it, but that the Catholic Church uses to support their doctrine. Like purgatory is nowhere in the Bible directly, but right. they'll take random passages in the Old Testament that's purgatory, but that's clearly not a direct interpretation. So that's why I would say even Catholicism in general, we're going to take it literally until it's inconvenient. And then when it's inconvenient, we'll respin it. And that's something you'll find has really happened in the Catholic Church in general, probably over the past 100, 150 years. Because even 150 years ago, the Catholic Church wouldn't have accepted the theory of evolution. It wasn't until that became much more mainstream and popular that their dogma changed. Right. So I guess that would be my answer for now on that.
0: No, that's it's interesting because in Protestantism, for example, you have a lot of streams that literally believe the Bible is true, like what you were describing with the Adam and Eve story and Noah and all of it. And then you have other religions that have Judaism has the interpretations and then the whole rabbinic mm-hmm. thing. So, so I was just curious if there was a interpretive culture within and there can be, too.
1: You'll find the interpretive culture is more in the charismatic branch, which is why the comment you said earlier about the Catholic church, Christian churches with all differences, because if you go to right. a little more charismatic group, then all of a sudden they'll be saying, oh, you know, of any of that's, we can't interpret the belief. Well,
0: wow, I could definitely understand a little better now what you were saying about being in two camps, because if you happen to have a religious discussion with your parents, for example, and you're saying something that you learned as youth leader for charismatic group. Or from someone who was charismatic, if you had a discussion that had that uh, belief in it and you happen to mention it to your parents, they would probably go, no, absolutely not. Right? Like those are major differences being literal versus being metaphorical. The creation story. There's not much middle ground there.
1: No, super mixed signals.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So sorry to take that tangent with you, but. No worries. So you're delving deep, you're being really scrupulous, and it's not having the effect that you hoped it would.
1: No, it wasn't. There are a few things that stick out to me. So obviously I mentioned previously I was homeschooled. When I entered high school, my parents just used to enroll me in an online Catholic preparatory school. So I had professors. I actually was on Zoom before Zoom was cool, taking classes from all these people. And I remember there was one professor that I had as a doc- with a doctorate in theology, and he was definitely much more conservative in his viewpoints. And he was talking about Mary, Joseph, and the uh, traditional family. Okay. The topic of homosexuality came up in the class and somebody asked him, sir, I have a question for you. So if you're saying that Mary and Joseph, as they teach in traditional Catholicism, could be married and never have sexual relations, because that's what they teach in the Catholic Church. Mary was pure from the moment of her birth to the moment she died and never had sexual relations. Is it okay for Mary and Joseph to be in that type of relationship, but a homosexual couple couldn't if they never had sexual relations? Mm, And then he came up with some contrived answer. It was a good question. I loved that question, and it never really came to mind. But- he came up with some answer out of the catechism which is our big book of rules basically saying that the creative reproductive organs need to be present it just in case god decides to ask them later to have children and that's when <laughs> i really started to realize like i'm never well, going to be able to live up to your standards at this point it's just starting to seem like at every single turn of the road there's a new roadblock. Right,
0: right it does kind of make me wonder if this is the creator of the world who actually created people and their organs if he wanted a child so badly. Couldn't he just give one of the partners the correct organs?
1: You would think so now, but I guess his answer was no. At the time though, it still didn't convince me to not be Catholic. It took me years to get to the place where I accepted my sexuality. That came after. At that time, it was still a catalyst for me thinking like, this is really hard. You're asking so much of me and what I'm getting in return just isn't really equitable but so i kept going i was in my last year of school in high school my senior year i became one of the leaders for the youth group program there pretty good year we had some drama but it was okay but at the end of the year i decided to take a gap year before i went to college because i didn't quite know what i wanted to do and there's this group in the catholic church in the united states called net ministries it kind of reminds me a little bit of like those mormon missionary trips where they go out for a year or two to go evangelize non-mormons it's a similar idea where these catholic youths will go travel around the country or Canada to go evangelize non-Catholics to even seem to be Catholic. And that's very charismatic in nature. That is not at all what traditional Catholicism would have done. So, you know, what? I actually decided I was going to apply for that. Okay. It was really last minute. I had a very close friend who was accepted into the program and she mentioned, you know, we still have 10 spots for men. So if you want to fly out all the way to Minneapolis tomorrow, you can go apply. And they'll have you go through a retreat. At the end of the retreat, they're going to pray about everything. They're going to tell the candidates who answer to the call, who's going to be chosen to do these ministries for a year. So I went out last minute. I think I spent like $600, like most of my savings to go out to Minneapolis, because I really felt like, you know what? This God wants me to do. This is the answer to what am I going to do during my gap year? And so I went. Very charismatic. Lots of laying out of hands. Lots of praying in tongues. Very charismatic. Wow. Um, and okay. I remember them interviewing us. There's probably 15 of us. And I remember they had a private interview towards the third day when we were there, right before they gave us, and they wanted to know, like, what are our personal struggles? What are things that they should know about us that we hadn't mentioned? And I mentioned my same-sex attraction to them. And I told them, you know, I think it could be a really powerful witness for you guys mentioning my story that I'm going to be celibate my entire life, that I'm going to embrace the church and God. I'm going to do whatever I can to spread the message of Jesus Christ in the Catholic church. Still on board with
0: that at that point. Exactly. I was
1: still on board with that. So that all happens. I made some friends there. I go home. They didn't call me the next day. Like they said, they didn't call me two days later. They didn't call me three days later. They called me four days later. They had 10 positions open. They accepted 14 people. We were 15. I was the one they didn't choose. And there had Uh, been men in that group who hardly went to church. I remember there was one kid that I talked with that went to church just on Easter and Christmas. And I'd been a youth group leader for what, four or five years at that point. And they didn't have to say what I knew in my heart. And that broke me. That was the moment where I just couldn't handle it anymore. Where I think my soul just said, enough is enough for me to suffer anymore. Right. Even just thinking about that moment.
0: That's crazy. You were a devout Catholic. You were all on board with their interpretation, who you were and to do what they They wanted. wanted you to do. And you had no control over being that way. And yet you were a youth leader and you were studying your religious materials. You were studying the Bible. Exactly. And you were completely open and honest with them, and you were willing to evangelize. Exactly, and it was just and they did. It It was just
1: disregarded.
0: You scared them. I I did wow they
1: didn't know how to react
0: that is horrible because it's saying you have no place here it doesn't matter what you do that's i I think that's
1: really them to that i understood at that moment and it cut me deep to realize that you know what it doesn't matter what i do doesn't matter how hard i try right these people are never going to accept me and that's when i think i really came to the place of you know what if i'm catholic it's because i want to be and that's it and at this point it was hurting me and i think at that moment was really when my faith just started to crumble completely. Because from there to me, admitting that I wasn't Catholic was probably six months later. That was the most tultuous time in my life, emotionally draining and exhausting. But I can say now I'm much better for it. Right. It's crazy to me though, just thinking back in the time of realizing who I was as a child and as a teenager, and even up to the moment of that retreat, how Catholic I was, and how I feel a little bad saying this, because some people might take this the wrong way, but how the actions of others really allowed me to go past my double standards and ignoring the problems in Catholicism. And it allowed me to go right to the grain of the matter. And the six months following that, until I made it up Catholic, I spent hours every day researching the history of the Bible, actually. Researching how did the Bible come together? Because all these people are saying that I can't be uh, practicing Christian, Catholic, and homosexual, because that's what the Bible says. You know what? At least better be able to trust the Bible. And then, I mean, we don't have time for it today, but (laughs) realizing the Bible, at least from my perspective, as far as literal interpretation, doesn't make sense because that book has been retranslated so many times that literal interpretation works. In
0: my opinion, do we really believe that someone was swallowed by a giant fish? (laughs) Of course it doesn't make sense.
1: Well, they do. Apparently some of them do. I don't know.
0: I suppose God can do anything, but... He
1: could, but if he could do everything, I wish he would heal childhood cancer more than let a man survive in the belly of a fish.
0: Right, it's an odd thing to choose, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It is.
0: (laughs) The choices are a little strange.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. That's it. that's my so, story in a nutshell.
0: Can I ask you, did you talk to your family at all about this around that time? I about did. About
1: struggle with this? I did talk to my family about this. I mean, I guess the only detail I did leave out that I was going to mention earlier and I forgot was, I think I mentioned that I brought this to my youth leader, and she actually wanted to have a night when we talked about homosexuality and the LGBTQ community in general and the Catholic Church's role well, and ministering to them. Um, this happened before I went on that mission Trip to see if they wanted me to join but it was maybe a month or two before the amount of drama that happened in the church after that happened was unbelievable the amount of people who complained to her that that was an inappropriate topic for someone who's a non-parent to bring up with their children actually drove her out of the church they forced her to quit and she ended up having to move quite a ways away because she couldn't put up with the amount of hate that she got from that
0: wow <laughs> and you know what she
1: said That's people said. like him exist so we should be ministering to them and they drove her out like, I don't know. This doesn't even seem Catholic to me. This seems more like something you would experience in a non-denominational church, maybe. It was crazy. It still blows my mind.
0: It seems more like they just don't want to admit that gay people exist more than they, it, it's like beyond don't practice. It's not a thing. Out
1: of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. Right. Out of right. sight, out of mind.
0: That's...
1: If I were to never say anything, they would never have given me an issue. It's just something that was between me and my priest in confession, but they don't want to see it. Right. I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but that was my experience. And that's something you'll probably find in most traditional Catholic groups. Uh, as far as you asked me about my parents, I did have conversations with my parents. My parents actually discovered my sexuality early on. They happened to see my browsing history and the rest is history, but they never really accepted that they still don't to this day. I remember my mother told me right before I went out to school um, overseas, she told me, we want you to know that we love you, but never invite your wedding. That'll be mm-hmm. the hardest day of your life when we say no. And it will always be a no. Huh. Yeah. I still think she doesn't realize what a cool thing that was to say, because she also told me, don't make me choose between my faith and you, because we know what the answer is going to be.
0: And the answer was your faith.
1: Yes, obviously. And I think that's probably contributed to later on. Now, I would say I border on anti-theist. Not because I really care what people believe individually, but realizing how so often people take the religious faith almost as if it was like a a weapon to smash other people, that I Mm -hmm. struggle being around people who say what their faith is before anything else, where their faith is their identity. Because I think just growing up in this kind of environment taught me that more often than not, people who are like that don't have your best interests at heart. So be careful.
0: So you have left your faith entirely. You are no longer Catholic. I understand there's a thought that you can't leave, that you're always Catholic, but you would not consider yourself a Catholic?
1: No, I wouldn't consider myself a Catholic or a Christian. It was kind of funny because for me, I guess, the process to being not Catholic was long and arduous for me, right. but from not Catholic to not Christian was pretty quick, probably three or four months, because when in the end, me not being Catholic is because I don't think... The Bible is a reliable source of information, and it's been used to discriminate people like me and others, that I don't even have a good foundation to be Christian. It didn't even give me much room to move and say, you know what, I'm not Catholic, but maybe I'll be Orthodox, or maybe I'll be Episcopalian, or maybe I'll be something else. For a little while, I did go to an Orthodox church, which was interesting. I actually enjoyed it very much. Their liturgy is very pretty. I still would enjoy going. Their incense smells Divine. I love it. But I couldn't be I couldn't be Christian. I know a lot of people would say there's so many other flavors of Christianity to try out. I think maybe it was me being taught growing up that Catholicism is the seed of Christianity. Nothing came before it. It makes it hard for me to go anywhere else. But also, like I said, if I can't even trust the Bible as a reliable source of information, where do I go in Christianity from here?
0: I think if you were taught growing up that Catholicism is the truest form of Christianity then, and you learned that growing up, then if you leave it, why would you do anything else? It's kind of like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the way I was taught was the correct way, right? Exactly. I could definitely understand that.
1: Absolutely. I definitely do have respect for people who are in other Christian faiths, especially who are more progressive in their interpretations. I definitely appreciate that. I think what's hard from my perspective is also just looking at the history of Christianity. And I did try to kind of reach that from a secular point Mm -hmm. of view. Christianity is all an offshoot of a similar story. People have different interpretations of that story. People may have different beliefs that spring from similar sources. In the end, there's a commonality there. And it's hard for me to divorce at this point, the historic, Cold discrimination caused by Christianity with where churches are today. Many churches be discriminatory, they may be pro-LGBTQ, and thank you so much for that. And I support anybody who wants to go to those churches, but for me, I still can't divorce the fact that those churches exist thanks to a lot of the discrimination that came in the past. That's just my journey now, I guess.
0: Right. Your journey is completely your own and valid, no matter what. So you consider yourself an atheist today?
1: Yes, I would say I'm an atheist today. It's funny. A lot of people say they're spiritual and not religious. I actually would say I'm religious and not spiritual. And what do I mean by that? I love ritual. I still, I miss incense. I love right. having traditions. And that to me is very religious. Like religion is about having common traditions that you share with a group of people. So I love those aspects of religion. When I think about my own family, in the future of my own children. I don't want them to live in a world where they're devoid of traditions and customs and stuff like that. And I think that's where my journey is taking me now. I'm atheist insofar as I don't believe there's a supreme being guiding the universe. Yeah, could that change someday? Possibly, and that would be okay. But I'm still open to having a bit more religiosity in my, in my life, I think.
0: Are you happier now?
1: It's a process. I am definitely much happier than I am now. I've been in a relationship for two years, actually. Not something I never would have, would have been possible. I definitely feel much freer. I think the one difficult thing for me is because my siblings are still in the thick of it. It's difficult for me to divorce my own feelings of how I grew up and how I reacted to that and not place that on them. And then also still trying to process the anger I have to my parents. It's difficult. I've said many times to many people that it would be easy for me if my parents grew up traditional Catholics and just recognizing, you know, this is how they grew up. This is all that they knew and said, but to realize that actively embraced it and continued to embrace it despite everything I've told them, it's difficult. You
0: feel like they chose that over your well-being is that I do fair I feel like they say... chose that
1: over me yeah, yeah I do because everything I've told you I've told them and in greater detail too and I'll never understand how they could choose that over a child because I think of my own child in the future maybe I'll learn this someday that that was wrong but if my child were to tell me that point of view that I have or something that I'm doing is causing them intrinsic pain mm-hmm. and hurting them I would do everything I could to end that but right. other people have other perspectives I do forgive them though.
0: that's tough I can definitely understand understand why you would struggle with that. Okay. Well, is there anything else that you would like to talk about or get off your chest or throw out there before we finish up?
1: Yes. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, that Catholicism isn't a monolith, just like any church is in a monolith. I know many people would say and you kind of alluded to it that many many people think that Catholicism tends to be a more progressive form of Christianity. And it can be, I would just say I'd like to encourage people to dig a little deeper to try and look at Catholic sources of information if they're trying to find out information on the Catholic Church. Keep in mind that one source probably isn't enough. But also the deeper you get into any religion, you're probably going to find people who are more hardline, who probably will be a little bit less forgiving in their interpretation. You would know this in Judaism. If you were to talk to hardline conservative Jews in Israel, they might be a little bit less forgiving than people who are formed Jews, for example, in their interpretation of how the faith is played out. And
0: Definitely. when you see that in yeah.
1: Catholicism, unfortunately, you might that at its core, Catholicism isn't as accepting as they like to appear on the outside. And just be careful.
0: So, advice to people who are considering converting to Catholicism would you say well first congratulations
1: and at least being able to think for yourself decide that you want to make a change in your life because that's admirable wherever you come from but also keep in mind that when you join any group whether it's a catholic church or a social group they're always going to sell you on the benefits and never mention downsides and something i've definitely learned since leaving the catholic church take a look at the ugly sides though because you need to make sure that you're comfortable with the ugly sides before you accept the benefits and we haven't touched upon it but obviously the sex scandal abuses in the catholic church are well known those really mm-hmm. shouldn't be ignored and you need to take that into consideration when you Join the Catholic Church. And then also really delve deeply into what are the values the Catholic Church admires at its core? Who are the people that it venerates? And what are some of the actions that have been undertaken by some of the most famous Catholics in history? And comfortable with all of that, go ahead, join.
0: Okay, good advice for anybody considering conversions. Thank you very much for joining me, and I appreciate your time.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes as they're released. Thank you for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes as they're released.